Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, welcome back. As always, thank you for listening and please don't forget me on Patreon and Speak It On. Any support you could give would be very appreciated and very needed. So, this week, I've been helping a friend look for another church. He's moving uh, moving cities, and uh, I was asking, and I think it's super important, when you move, you find a church. And they call it a church home for a reason. Now... The thing that tickles me in some ways and, and is titles. Um, I've mentioned before, kind of lampooning in some ways, and I should be very respectful in other ways, concerning church leadership. Um, partially because the closer, in my experience that a church comes to a corporation to a mechanical organizational structure the worse it is because because it becomes more like a machine and with a machine if a part breaks you just pop a part out pop put another part in there and and presto changeo you know everything's working great the only complication is is the church is an organism with living material, and that's people. And when people start feeling and acting and sounding like parts of a machine, that's not good. A lot of times what happens in that situation is we love to label stuff. Um, for example... Back in the day when I was a, uh, what would be considered a worship pastor, uh, I went by the term music director, okay? And they use worship leader, you know, music director, music leader. And uh, back in the day, I think the biggest difference is, is there was a distinction between someone who led the congregational songs but also back in the day that person would also work with the choir when you work with a choir that requires knowledge and a certain amount of skill to to pull together a bunch of people to make a uh, a joyous melodious sound uh, whereas someone who's able to just stand in front of uh, the congregation, which is still a feat in itself, and play you know, guitar or sing and lead worship, that's something else. But the, those weren't, at the time, mutually exclusive. Now you got more like a praise team kind of situation. But titles, titles. We love titles. So I was looking through uh, some churches in this new city, that a friend of mine uh, was looking at. And some of them, I don't know, I had to chuckle just a little bit because 
I'm like, um, <laughs> now I like the term pastor, all right? Now, what you got to understand, though, is in the New Testament, pastor, bishop, and elder were pretty much the same Greek word. So, we've become used to pastor as being someone that we define by function, or not by function, excuse me, by title, by position. And it, and it kind of, uh, in, in, in Jesus' day, titles are very much a functional situation. In other words, you would call someone an elder because that's what the function of what they were doing was. Someone was a deacon because that's their function. It wasn't, hey, we elected this guy and boom, he's a pastor or, you know, like an elected official. Or, you know, we all decided and, and he sounds like a good guy. Or lady, excuse me. So here's the thing, titles. The, the one that tickles me and, and kind of concerns me a little bit is I love the term teaching pastor. Teaching pastor. Because to me, I'm like, and I understand where they're coming from. Basically, that's the pastor who's supposed to be, whose primary function is supposed to be teaching. Um, supposed to be studying and be really smart, and it not that not that every other pastor is uh, you know not, but that that's his primary function. Which I think, on my end, I'm like teaching pastor. That's like um, that's like to me in some ways saying a bus driver driver. You know. I'm, I'm going to hire a bus driver driver. So he's a bus driver, but he's going to be a driver. So he's going to drive the bus. He's going to drive the bus and drive the bus. Drive, 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 driver, driver. A, a teaching pastor is actually, uh, you're saying the same thing twice. Because you're not supposed to have a pastor, but the primary function of a pastor is teaching. That's the way it is in the New Testament. That's the way it started. I mean, e even with the apostles, uh, that's the reason deacons came about. Is because in the book of Acts, you know, the apostles were like, you know, um, it's not really good for us to neglect the, the teaching of the Word of God to wait tables. So they got some fantastically wonderful guys who could be servants and that's more or less what a deacon is and that's when they elected you know, they made the deacon function and we love to make it a title now a position but it was a function because they were supposed to be doing something and it was a servant type thing okay teaching pastor that one kind of took kind of you know what uh, that's like saying a pastor, you know, a, a teacher, teacher, pastor. This is the pastor, pastor, the pastor, pastor, teacher, teacher, pastor. Mm. And that probably sounds like I'm being really nitpicky, but um, every pastor is supposed to teach. I mean, that's supposed to be a pastor. That's the very title. But now we've made it into a positional thing 
really we stick tags on before the word pastor so we know kind of where they're serving so you can have a preteen pastor a post-teen pastor a senior pastor a worship pastor so we just kind of stick it on everything um another one of my favorites is executive pastor executive pastor i think that's wonderful that they have a pastor just for the ceos in the congregation and and the the executives they need to be ministered to because they're making really 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 you know wild decisions about major corporations so i think the executive pastor is i mean that's just brilliant and of course that's not what they mean that's not what they mean at all necessarily what they mean is this pastor is the head among his brethren okay or or the leader of equals something of that nature the 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 main go-to person the person that is um the point person on the pastoral team and having multiple pastors i think is very biblical by the way um in my situation i've run into churches that just have one pastor and that guy or or the ones i've run into man that'll snap your snap your cracker if you because that's a lot of stuff on one person but i'm not going to go there right now so here's the thing titles 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 we just love them and we have to have them i know somebody's gonna say well i don't understand why la's getting all bent out of shape over titles we gotta have them i mean what are you gonna do um i did and just to be fair i did love one church uh one church's description it said co-pastor co-pastor i think that's awesome actually because it's more kind of what's going on um now i get it a lot you have to slap you know subtitles on these people so that people will understand okay if i have a kid who's this age who do i need to you know who's the point person in charge of ministry for this group i get it okay um but let's let's look at something real quick all right let's look at uh a section in scripture matthew 23 uh, chapter 23 and we're going to start at verse 1 now famous famous section because most evangelical pastors love to tee off on the Pharisees with this stuff they absolutely do now what have I always said about getting jiggy with it on the Pharisees number one you really you, number one Jesus was an insider he was Jewish and Israeli and understood the culture and the language and quite a, quite a few other things. Now, this particular group, now where was he? That's, that's one thing I always say. Where was Jesus when he was engaging these people? Okay, he was in Jerusalem area. Okay, in Jerusalem area... You had many different kinds of Pharisees. Many different kinds of Pharisees. And certain groups, uh, 
You had the house of Hillel, the house of Shammai. Shammai's group was very, very picky. Uh, Hillel's group would be considered liberal, but um, in most, but basically they were more inter- interested in the function of how this is how things work in your life. And Shammai was like letter of the law kind of guy. All right. Uh, and by the way, in Jesus' day, the house of Shammai, his little group, was on the ascendancy, so they were a little more popular. All right. Anyway, so let's look at this passage for a second. I'm going to start uh, Matthew 23, uh, verse 1. I'm going to go down. I'm not reading this whole thing, okay, but I'm going to go down to verse 12. So it works this way. And this is the ESV. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbis by others. But you do you are not to be called a rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors. For you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant, shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, in just this little statement, in just this little section, Jesus says a ton of stuff. Now, first of all, you really need to understand he is this is not a broad condemnation of every pharisee everywhere he's being very he is being specific okay and uh it, some of the practices i think you can see first of all uh, he he says he's talking about heavy burdens. Okay, now ninety percent of evangelicals say, "Oh, well, that's the law." Well, that's the law. Yeah, see, that's all that Old Testament stuff, man. That's the, the heavy burden, and, and it's hard to bear, and, and they don't want to do it. No, I, I don't. I don't completely agree with that. I believe that, and there were Pharisees that had a lot of minutia, a lot of local. De- determinations that had been made like when you're supposed to wash your hands and when you and and what you're supposed to touch and when you're supposed to heal uh, local not in the mishnah local stuff that got really 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 picky 
and these are the things. It wasn't the law. Jesus said, you know, and well, Paul, Paul, of course, himself said, hey, you know, in respect to the law, my conscience is fine. He didn't seem to find it a burden. But here was the thing. These guys had all these little, you know, whistles and bells. You, you know, don't, don't walk on this line. Don't step on, step on this crack. They had all these little local things because they want, because the more people followed what they said specifically, not stuff in the Torah. We're talking about their little determinations on how you're supposed to practice stuff. The more uppity, you know, the more, you know, uh, pride they got, the more respect and, and all this other stuff it, to puff them up. Alright? That's the kind of thing I believe that was going on with these guys. Alright? And of course, you know, unfortunately it's true. The people who make up most of the, the silly rules never even do them. Now, uh, in verse 5, it says, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. So, what does that mean? The phylacteries were basically prayer strips. They're long strips of leather that had scripture put in them. And there was a very specific way of, of making them. And that wasn't necessarily a bad thing, okay? They would wrap them around their arms and even around their foreheads, okay? And they had that... They were on the forehead one that had a box that had contained scripture in it, all right? But uh, Jesus' point is, is well, they make them really broad, okay? So, they, so you can notice them from a long way off. Make them really wide, you know? And their fringes. Now, the fringes here are is actually the what they, in Hebrew, is called tzitzi. Tzitzi. These were the tassels on the end of the talit, which was the prayer shawl. And they were very important. They had very specific windings and knots in them to remind people of God's instruction in the Old Testament. Now, uh, in fact, if you get Every Man's Talmud, which is a very inexpensive book and super helpful, it will have a section that, that there was one guy that, uh, for, I forget his name, maybe maybe it was Shimon of the Long Tassels, which or the Long Tzitzi. He had these long fringes, it says fringes, but they're tassels that drag the ground because it made him look really pious. Okay. Now, these are people who are loving the position. These are the people who are loving the position. And I want it, it says in verse seven the greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. Now here's the thing about this title, rabbi. Rabbi means actually my great one, and it was a term of respect for a teacher. Normally, it was not a title in Jesus's day. Jesus in scholarly circles is called a proto-rabbi because he was considered a rabbi and called rabbi uh, before the word itself became codified as a position as to, okay, this is what you have to do to be a rabbi. Um, see, nowadays, uh, to be a minister, you normally end up 
going to seminary and getting a degree and getting ordained and, and so it's a very specific group of stuff going that direction well uh, but before you were just a minister if you ministered and by the way everyone who knows Jesus is a minister end of story if you belong to Jesus you're a minister but the term rabbi was a term of respect. All right. And these people wanted that name. They wanted to be called rabbi. I don't remember anyone, I don't remember Jesus actually demanding to be called rabbi by any independent person, but he was called rabbi. And he didn't throw it off, I don't believe. But Jesus says, You're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. So he's saying, Look, you guys all equal in in God's eyes so don't get puffed up and again this has to do with being puffed up now I think uh, if you skip down to verse 11 and 12 that's going to be the key on the title thing the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That means servant leader. Servant leader. So, what's the problem with titles? What's the problem with titles? Titles are not a problem. Complication is how we deal with the titles our problem because we've turned them into an organizational mechanical system so that we can basically pay people different different amounts of money and give them different different uh, sets of, of duties and all of this stuff you know this executive pastor has this much experience has been with this many churches has this many degrees and we're going to give him this many this money and this is what he's going to have to do you know, associate pastor is going to do blah, 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 blah. The worship minister is going to do blah, 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 blah. We do that. Now, it, again, somebody's going to say, well, I understand. You know, everybody has has job descriptions and stuff like that. Well, I get it. But here's, but here's the thing. In some ways, it robs us of our brotherhood. Of the everyone's on the same level. And... Because when we do that, sometimes when you slap pastor on somebody, it's not a servant leader. It's not a, I am a servant of the church, necessarily. They, they get into the leadership end of it, real heavy, and forget the servant part. So, when you're looking at a church... See how the quote unquote how the pastors are serving. And here's another thing: look at the people, because again, everyone is a minister. Everyone is a minister. Are the people ministering? Because what what really a pastor is supposed to be doing is equipping the people to service. So. If you have a 
preteen pastor. What is that preteen pastor teaching preteens in order that they can serve Jesus where they're at, in their school and in their home? If you have a associate pastor or an executive pastor, what's the executive pastor teaching the executives? <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being snarky. What's the executive pastor teaching the church through life and word about serving you know what is what is he doing or is she doing to equip in real time the people under their care in order for them to be to be ministers because here's the thing when you think of clergy versus laity okay I think that's a bad, bad dichotomy. I think that's a bad split. Because basically at that point, every oh, we have the anointed pastors and the pastors are doing... And then we have the poor poor us and we're, we're a bunch of knotheads and we don't know how to do anything and, and so we really need to hire these guys so they can do the ministry and we'll just do our thing. No. That's not how it's designed. That's not how it's even supposed to function. What you have, if but if you see it this way, you have a minister, ministers in the pew, and leaders or pastors, guiders in the pulpit, and everybody's the same. Everyone's on an equal footing. But here's the difference: God has chosen the pastors to help equip the ministers in the pew to do what they do. What does that mean? That means when they go to the executive councils and, 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 and if, they, if, they, if they're fixing cars and if they're picking up trash and if they're doing whatever, you know, programming code, whatever they're doing, what is that minister, that pastor teaching those people, helping them with situations giving them tools so that they can do whatever they're doing the way Jesus wants it done. That's, that's the key. That's the key. So, so when you look around, don't be, don't be, uh, Whim fuzzled. <laughs> Don't be impressed with titles. Don't be impressed with titles. Nope, nope, nope. Because, to be honest, we're all ministers. But the ministers that are selected by God to help us be better and do do the job better, we call those pa- those guys pastors, elders, or bishops, or however you want to do that. So, and by the way, a pastor who's really able to equip somebody and teach them something, teach them how to fish, not, sh- you know, show them and teach them how to fish, that's a very special person. And if God's flowing through them in humility, then you got the Spirit of God in, in, that, in that person, and 
and draw near. Draw near. Take it in. Let God minister and, and, and work through you with that person. Because I assure you, it's more uncommon than you think. <laughs> and this is talking from somebody who's been on both sides of the pulpit. Okay? So with that in mind, I want to encourage you to keep on speaking it on. To this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.